0: Well, good morning.
1: good morning! Good morning!
0: Go ahead and find a seat. Your cruising altitude is 30,000 feet. Please remain in your seat uh, for the remainder of the flight. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was going to use my pilot voice, but then it all sounds the same. So, yeah. Uh, well, good morning. My name is Chris Bolby, and for one more week I am the associate pastor of New Hope Foursquare Church. So yeah. And this is my wonderful wife, Alyssa.
1: Hello came prepared with my tissues.:
0: Yeah, she brought Probably the tissue box. Yeah, totally. We're just going to hug that like a close friend. Yeah. Well Uh, This morning will be the final message that I will preach to you as one of your pastors. I'll be back at some point. You cannot get rid of me uh, that easy. Uh, We'll see how this goes if I'm back to preach or if I'm just back to mow the lawn. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But uh, this season, I just have to say, friends, brothers and sisters, this season of being able to help discern, to care, to guide, to help lead, to be invited into these uh, intimate places, it's coming to a close. And I have a ton of gratitude. I'm, now, I, you're going to make me cry. Get the tissue box away. <laughs> I have a ton of gratitude that I uh, will have a chance to uh, express. But um, it really has been, no, get that away. <laughs> I can do this. It has been one of uh, the greatest joys to serve you as oh, one of your pastors. Hmm. I'm actually looking forward to share this story. I mean, God is doing a work inside of our family for quite some time. Uh, and, uh, and the role of a lead pastor, uh, it, is a, it is a unique one. Um, I have carried a title of pastor um, but I would say, like, those who are stepping into the role of leading as a lead pastor have a unique calling and mantle that is unlike anything else. And uh, I'm only starting to feel a little bit of the heaviness of that. And I just, uh, I just have to say, I'm so grateful for your leadership, Isaac. Uh, you carry the weight so that other people don't uh, have to. And uh, you are a gift not just as our pastor, but our pastor. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I'm going to stop talking so uh, I can gather myself.
1: Okay, so right. yeah. now I'm going to have to gather myself. Mm-hmm. All right, um, you know, this season of discerning what God is asking us into started long before we came here to New Hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want you to experience this story because you've been an incredible part of it. Um, we love you. <laughs> oh, we love you guys. Um, Like any Jesus-shaped story, Mm -hmm. there's edification for all of us as we Mm -hmm. recount God's goodness and slowly but surely molding us through the hills and the valleys of life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So here we go. So I came onto a church staff at City Center Church in Redmond, Oregon. That was all the way back in 2011. That's a long time. Uh, That was the church I was saved at. Um, I was saved at that church, and uh, we came onto church staff. Audrey, our oldest daughter, had just turned one. We have five daughters, and at that point, we only had one. And boy, if we knew. Almost like, two. Like, oh man, this is so hard. It is hard. Uh, 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 props to you, first kid, that is, that is like being thrown into an ocean full of sharks when you don't know how to swim. Um, <laughs> But then getting a second baby is like somebody handing you a baby in the ocean when you can't swim with sharks and being like, figure this out too. Um, But uh, yeah, I was asked to become the children's pastor. Props, if you're thinking about serving in any area of the church, um, there are great places to serve. Serve with kids and youth, that should be your first yes. There's other great places too, the pantry, Stephen Ministry, all kinds of stuff. But serving uh, the now generation, Pastor James, thank you, uh, is so vital. Uh, so it had been stirring in my heart for quite some time, and we took this huge step. Um, at that time, I was working a normal job. I, uh, I was working in a high tea department, and I l- had to lay aside security, a 401k, and uh, um, you know future job growth, um, because we felt like God was asking us to do something um, that was beyond where we were currently at. And this is a, this is a key. We had, we had almost no idea what we were saying yes to. Oftentimes when you say yes, you're like, I know what I'm saying yes to. And then you get a little bit down the road and you're like, I had no idea what I was actually saying yes to. Uh, or even how God would be able to provide. But we said yes eh, anyway. A few years would pass and um, I preach my first sermon I'm sorry for anybody watching, on anybody who was a part of those first few, but I said yes to preaching, and um, uh, I remember my first time sitting and praying with uh, a widow who had just lost their uh, spouse. I remember my first wedding. I remember my first funeral. To be invited into these intimate places. To weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice, to listen and to instruct through scripture. Man, God was stirring something inside of my heart. I wanted to be a pastor. And this would set in motion an entire chain of events for us. Mm -hmm. I would eventually uh, go back to school to finish my bachelor's from uh, Life Pacific I started preaching once a month, and then it was twice a month, and we even talked to our district supervisor about what we felt like God was, God was doing. We thought our, our next step at that point would obviously be to pastor a church. And uh, yeah, that's when Pastor Isaac called, and he invited us to come on to church staff here in Salem. We knew our, yeah, he knew our heart, and he wanted to give us an, an opportunity to learn, to grow as a pastor, as we put our hands to the plow in Marion County. And this was an uh, unexpected twist. This was not in my five years five-year plan, uh, but we felt the uh, unction, like this guttural, like, God, you're asking us to do something that we hadn't planned or, or we thought was going to be the way forward, but God, you're doing something in our life that is going to take a courageous yes. So once again, we said yes before we understand, uh, understood how God would f- provide, only that we needed to take a step of faith.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, so this last fall, Chris and I were approached by our associate district supervisor David Eddy, and he offered us a church to look at, to lead pastor. You know, after praying about it, we we were ready to say yes. We were so ready to say yes. Our faith grew as we prepared to visit and we were totally convinced that it was going to be our next our next spot. I mean, we we were like looking on Google Maps and looking through the town and, you know, scouting out houses and all kinds of stuff, which made it all the more confusing when we pulled into town and felt like it was a big no, Mm. like it was not where God was calling us, Mm. so we stayed a night in downtown, and I read a story in John 9 about the blind man who Jesus put mud in his eyes, and... You know, driving back home, you know, we were confused and we were really frustrated. I mean, we felt like we had mud in our eyes. Mm. And we were just waiting and praying to see if God would speak to us mm. in that. So my prayer on the way home was for things to be as simple as it was for the blind man. When, it, mm. when he says in the scripture later in the story, he's like, I don't know. All I know is I was blind and now I can see. Mm. And that's the clarity we were, we were asking for. Yeah. So then we were asked to take a look at this little church called Coos Bay, Coos Bay Foursquare. Um, it didn't take long after driving into town before we, we felt peace. And, oh yeah, I mean, we walked, we walked down the streets, we, I don't know, man, we checked out a restaurant. It's really good, yeah. by the way, so if you come visit us, we'll yeah. take you there. <laughs> Um, we sat outside the church. We prayed. We could see. We could see what God was doing there and what we were being invited into. We didn't know where we were going to live. We still don't.
0: (laughs) Side note, yeah.
1: (laughs) We didn't know how we would support our family, how we could take our kids out of their school and away from all of their friends, and how we could move away from all of you guys. We knew we were being invited to say yes. Chris is going to tell the rest of the story because clearly I'm not going to be able to do it anyway. But you know it's a good one. Yeah. Um, you got this. Yes, <laughs> thank you. But we just want you guys to know how much we love you and appreciate you. And as much as you've allowed us to be a part of your story, it was you guys who have blessed us with just family that we're going to cherish forever. Yeah. And, you know, these last five years here have been such a gift.
0: Yeah. So
1: thank you guys for that.
0: Yeah. Well, Lord, we invite you into this space, God, and uh, God, as we look a part of your story that has been a a part of our lives, we know, God, it is not um, just our story. It is a collective story of your spirit going forth and drawing all men to you, empowering and sending out day after day uh, for the sake of those who are not yet uh, a part of us. God, as we go to your scriptures, Lord, I I just pray you would move us. God, in a gut way, to be able to say brand new yeses in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Ah, well, guys, have you ever felt something like this? Now, maybe you haven't moved uh, your town. Uh, your town. Maybe you haven't felt God calling you to pastor a church in a brand new town and move your whole family there. Maybe that's not you. Um, but have you ever felt like God was asking you to do something outside of your comfort zone? Like, ugh, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, and I don't know if I can do that. Have you ever felt what the ancient followers of Jesus describe as the quickening of your spirit? I know you felt it. Those are the butterflies of like, oh, man, I know I'm going to do something, and it's coming here soon. (laughs) Where something inside of you changes you, and you feel as though you have to do something about it. It takes courage to say yes. Yes. It takes courage to say yes. It takes courage to say yes to be able to come to church. Have you ever thought about how weird we are from the outside? You specifically? No, like just church in general. Like this setting is not something that happens where we're communally singing songs. At the end of our service, we're gonna take communion together where we talk about Eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood, that's a little weird. Stepping into that for the first time, it takes a courageous yes. It takes courage to say yes to community, to be fully or known fully, and to know others, to share your story. Man, any public setting where you've shared those deep parts of your story that other people don't know for the first time, that's an essential part of what it is to be the body of Christ, but it also takes a ton of courage to be able to do that. It takes courage to say yes to serving. Man, will I actually be helping other people? Maybe you don't know what your gifts and talents are. And for you to step into serving somebody else, it's a faith step. It takes courage to say, I have something to offer to other people. Even questions like, will I be able to manage my time outside of serving? Will I be able to cut away parts of my life that are unfruitful so that I have more time to serve the kingdom of God? See, all of our yeses are building courage for our next yes. All of our yeses are building courage for our next yes. My hope for us is that our current yes, the Bowlby's yes, will give you courage for your next yes. And friends, it could be the biggest Yes, yet. Hmm. So our text th- th- this morning is going to be in John chapter 4. And as we pick up this text, I love this section of scripture here. Uh, we're going to see Jesus and the, the uh, s- disciples. And this is following an exchange that Jesus had with a Samaritan woman. And, uh, and there were three reasons Three reasons why the disciples were kind of confused at what was going on here, okay? Jesus was always crushing the expectations of uh, religious leaders and even the disciples, too. So there's three reasons why this probably would have been a bit odd. First, she was a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans did not get uh, along. Samaritans were seen as, as less than. They didn't talk to each other. Um, They were not having parties. They were separate. And so Jesus is talking to a Samaritan person. Not just a person, but she was a woman. This is a patriarchal society that said, if you were female, you didn't have worth. You could not talk to a man. And so for Jesus to be approaching the Samaritan woman during the middle of the day was very odd. And last, she had a rough past. It left her unclean in the eyes of the religious people. Remember, uh, the, the disciples were regularly calling Jesus teacher. He was a religious teacher. And so they were confused at why he would be talking to someone who was unclean. Don't you know that you can't? You can't be with that person. She had multiple failed marriages and and she was living with somebody else outside of marriage. A side note, if you have a past that even as I say like sharing your story, that terrifies you, Jesus comes to you. Jesus wants to be with you. He wants to hear your story. He wants to change and transform your life, but he loves you. And he's not shying uh, away from whatever your past is. See, Jesus was clarifying his kingdom and his mission going forward and the type of work it would would take. So we'll pick it up in scripture here in John chapter 4. It'll be up on the screen. It says this. And at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said... What are you seeking? Or why are you speaking with her? That's probably a good call. Sometimes we need to know that we need to keep our mouth shut. (laughs) So the woman left her, her water pot and she went into the city and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is he? They left the city and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, No one brought him anything to eat. City? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say... Or do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that they are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have come into their labor. So there's two points. I want to point out two points here. The first is this. Our provision and nourishment is to walk out God's will. All right. Our provision and nourishment is to walk out God's will. We have verse 34 here. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. It's been an interesting process as, uh, uh, to process our t- decisions with uh, other people, those inside of faith and uh, outside of faith. Um, some common questions have, have came up here. How big is that church? Is it full time? Have you found a house? The answer to that one's no, still. But, anyways, have you found a house? How is the job market there? How are the schools? See, none of these questions are wrong in their content. These are good questions we should ask, but they are deceiving questions to start with. Friends, if we start with the wrong, with with the right question in the wrong spot, we get to the wrong place. See, when we said yes to Jesus to first come onto a church staff, we knew that there would have to be sacrifices. We would have to live our lives in a different way with a, with a deeper reliance on God as our provider. We, we knew that, but we had no idea what we were saying yes to. We just knew that we were saying yes. When we said yes to come here, we had very little understanding of what we were saying yes to. We knew Pastor Isaac and, and we knew Pastor Danya. We knew we were going to helping, uh, be helping with the spiritual formation loop here. Um, but we also knew we were leaving my dad. We also knew we were leaving my, my brother. We were leaving lifelong friends, a loving church home, a, a thriving, growing church home. We were leaving what we knew to be normal and safe. But I'm here to tell you, our provision is always on the other side of yes. If we start with the wrong question and are saying, God, I'll go as soon as you provide for me, we're going to miss out on the adventures of the kingdom of God. We say yes to what God asks us to, and he provides for us on the other side. When we said yes to coming here, we knew what we were going to lose. We had no idea what we would be going to get here. And then we met you our church family, our brothers and sisters. See, when we left, I couldn't have imagined loving another congregation like I loved my church family in Redmond. Then I met you. New Hope has given us so many brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles of faith aunts and uncles for our kids, lifelong friends. We had no clue that when uh, we said yes, that there would be another family a year and a half after the fact that would move here who also had five daughters. That are some of our best friends. We had no clue We've been so nourished. The provision of the Lord came on the other side of yes. See, you have allowed me to have access and to minister to your deep vulnerabilities. You've allowed me to be vulnerable and stand up and cry on your stage for 35 minutes for my final sermon. You have allowed me to be vulnerable as I learn and grow alongside of you. You have taught me so much of what it means to be a pastor. You've allowed me to challenge you Sometimes you've liked that. Sometimes you haven't. (laughs) To call out giftings and to exhort. We bonded with ministry partners here that will preach at my funeral. So I'm just assuming we're dying first. Isaac and James, you're on deck. I don't know why, but it's all you, you guys. See, I will be forever grateful for the provision and nourishment that we found through New Hope, through Isaac, through Danya through this church, the church council, the church staff, and all of you that have dared to sojourn alongside this motley crew, as we learned last week of believers in Salem. And here we are. We're saying yes again. Our yes this time, like the last, came before we knew much at all. We hardly knew anything. Our yes came from God's peace while we were walking around downtown Coos Bay and dreaming about what God might possibly do. Our yes came after sitting outside of a church building and imagining what it would be like to have a space of belonging for a town for those outside of the church who were not yet a part of it. We said yes after meeting a few council members who dearly loved their church. We said yes before we even knew what our salary was or if we would get one. I mean, yeah, we were just saying yes. And this decision will cost us as well. It will cost us first and foremost you. We love you dearly. It'll cost us our house, our neighbors that we have become so close to. It will cost all five of our kids their schools, their friends, their orchestras, their choirs, their home. But we're here to tell you, God's provision is always on the other side of yes. Two, the harvest is now. It just takes a courageous yes. Going back to John 4, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the uh, harvest? Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that they are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life. So that no one who sows... and Uh, so that the one who sows and the one who reaps may rejoice forever. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have come into their labor. Behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields. They are white for harvest. Friends, I'm here to tell you the time to reap a harvest is now. It's not tomorrow. It's not the next day. It's not when you retire. It's not when you're in a better financial position. It's not when you have more courage. It's when you are scared and God is calling you to reap a harvest. That's when God is calling us to. See, there are people in every community that are broken and hurting. You don't have to travel far. Maybe you don't even have to travel that far outside of your own home. I'd say this, after after the pandemic, we have a unique uh, opportunity to reach a world that is freshly aware just how fragile life is. Everybody has had a front row seat to see just how fragile life is. Obviously, there is new awareness of our mortality. See, I would imagine most of us in this room have either lost someone to COVID, Or know someone who has lost somebody from from COVID. But the fragility experienced is not just related to death, but it's related to life. What we call life is so fragile. The stock market can drop off any day. A tiny virus can can disrupt where and how we work, how our te- uh, kids attend school, how and where we eat, what goods and services are uh, available. We can't rely on travel, on leisure, on, on friends, on a retirement uh, account to make ourselves feel better. People have a fresh realization that we need something more substantial than this life has on uh, offer. We need something more. How will people know unless we tell them? How will people know unless we are willing to have a courageous yes, not just to move your family to a new town, God may be calling some of you towards that, but a courageous yes to talk to somebody, to take a risk. How will people know Jesus is the linchpin of all life, of all death, of humanity, unless we are willing to let it upend our own lives? If you're not willing to let Jesus upend your own life, you're not living in the fullness of what the kingdom is. It's his kingdom. It's not yours. Even to give up the good that we have to go into the fields that are ready for Ah, uh, harvest. You cannot grab onto what God might have for you unless you're willing to let go of what you have. So let's talk about the harvest fields. I get to talk about this because we're going to a new town, and that town's name is Coos Bay. Let me tell you a little bit about Coos Bay. I'm going to tell you about the harvest that is there right now. The population of Coos Bay and North Vent, Bend, it's kind of like Salem-Kaiser, you wouldn't know when you go from one uh, to the next, um, is approximately 26,000 people. Coos Bay Metro, because lots of towns use, uh, use Coos Bay as their main hub, it is, it is the biggest town on the, uh, on the coast, um, so lots of people go there. That's approximately 65,000 people. Between Marshfield and North Bend uh, High School, there are, there are almost 2,000 high school students uh, attending. If you add in the, the virtual academy in town, that number gets bumped up to 3,700. There are roughly 4,500 families with kids in Coos Bay and North Bend. So that, those are a lot of numbers. There, there is a lot of people there. Less than 24% of people claim a religious affiliation. Any type of. Obviously less for Orthodox Christianity. The harvest is right here. I've had some interesting conversations over the past few weeks. This is one that has regularly come up. And it could be a normal question. But it's, why Coos Bay? Yeah, like, uh, why, why Coos Bay? And I think it's the wrong question. The right question is, why not Coos Bay? Thousands of people are not aware of the fragile narrative that is at some point going to leave them devastated by the toils and trials of this world. Thousands of people have yet to experience the type of be- belonging, that we get an experience here, that we receive every single week, every single day, not just to exist, come on somebody, we're done with, with just existing, but to be able to flourish in this life. Kids and teens in their most formative years haven't been given a coherent narrative for what life is all about. It is not graduating high school, going to college, getting a good job, having 2.1 kids, retiring, and going surfing for the rest of your life. No, it's going to leave you empty. How are people going to know unless we tell them? And how are we going to tell them unless we are people who are willing to take a courageous yes? Mm. Every Community needs those who are on mission and have eyes to see what God is up to, where the harvest is ready. It's in communities like ours, with an in and out, yes, Kaiser has that, and a soon-to-be Chick-fil-A, yeah, baby, and shopping. But it's also in rural communities across the entire nation. If our version of the kingdom of God is only to serve white, middle-class, suburban America on the I-5 corridor within a driving distance to Costco on a Friday and a wine tour on Saturday, friends, we have missed the mark on what Jesus has poured out his life for. This is where the kingdom is. So my, my response to the question, why are you going to Coos Bay, is now going to be, henceforth from now, forevermore, why aren't you coming with me? <laughs> why aren't you coming? The harvest is ripe, come. And, and if it's a no, I'm going to ask you this, if not in Coos Bay, how are we living missionally in Salem, Kaiser, where even higher numbers are experiencing the exact same thing? Friends, the time is short. The times are short. And I'm not saying that Jesus is coming back tomorrow, although I can confidently say that we're closer than we've ever been because of how time and math works and such. But I'm here to tell you, our days are, our days are numbered. Opportunities are falling off of the board the more we're unwilling to step into what God has for us. People are dying physically and emotionally all around us. But I'm here to tell you, the harvest is ready. It just takes, yes, amen, yes. The harvest is ready. It just takes a courageous yes. As Jesus said, lift up your eyes. I have a few points of uh, application for you. Um, And some of these are pretty selfish. So here we go. Let's start with that. The first one. Would you pray for us? Yes. This is, I mean, as you can tell, this is a big step. <laughs> and we exist uh, by the prayers of God's people and God's faithfulness through that. Um, so I would, I would ask you to pray for us. We're selling a house. We need to find a house. We need to move. Schools, activities, er, relationships. Um, pray for God's provision for us. And also pray for Coos Bay in North Bend there. Um, Coos Bay Foursquare is experiencing a pastoral tr- transition. 32 years, Dave and Marilyn Scanlan have, have, have served that church faithfully. So this is a transition for them. Pray for them. Pray for us. Just pray. <laughs> Two, I want you to take some time this week and ask uh, God for eyes to see. What is God doing in and around me? Jesus said, lift up your eyes. The harvest is is ready. That means you need spiritual eyes. That if you're not seeing it, man, ask God to open your eyes for whatever he may be doing. Remember, the harvest is ready now. We, We just don't always have eyes to be able to see it. And three, what are you saying yes to right now? The first question if your first question is is i don't know how i could ever do that or how can we possibly do that that's the wrong question the first question is god what are you asking me to do to do so my question for you what are you saying yes to right now what is god stirring in my heart see for some of you your courageous step will be coming back next week (laughs) you were here and you're like i met some people that dude was on stage. It was it was his last time preaching. He cried a lot. I'm uncomfortable, um, but your courageous yes is coming back next next week. Your courageous step is being willing to sign up for a emotionally healthy discipleship or emotionally healthy relationships or serving in kids, youth, Stephen Ministry, the food pantry, and for uh, others, God is call, calling you to something much bigger. Maybe God's calling you to uproot your whole family and everything you you know. And I just have to say to you, welcome to the club. (laughs) God's provision is always on the other side of yes. See, I say all this as someone who is walking this way out, this way of Jesus, this understanding of what the kingdom is all uh, uh, about right alongside of you. I'm not asking you to be doing something that we're not willing to do uh, ourselves. And I got to say, I'm not sure if we would have had the courage to walk out this step five years uh, ago. As I look at what the past five years have brought, a faithful pastoral leadership of a church that you have said yes to so many things, you have said yes to attending Alpha, to bringing people to uh, Alpha, to serving, to Rooted. You have said yes to so many different things. You've said yes to sharing your story, the vulnerable parts, not just the parts that are beautiful, although the vulnerable parts are too, but sharing your whole lives and your yeses over the past five years has enlivened us to make this yes. I've gained so much faith from you. I want you to remember this. Your yes today gives gives you courage for your yes tomorrow. That all of these things are building upon one uh, another. I'm confident that you will continue to be a community that gives courage for the yeses required for the kingdom to flourish in Marion uh, Hampolk County because that's who this church is. Well, Lord, we, we do. We, we submit all of this to you, our thoughts and feelings and dreams and desires and lives and our finances and our, our, our goals. All of them are laid at the altar. They're laid at your feet, Lord. We pray for fresh courage, for a new day, for a fresh yes. Empower your people for the kingdom to go forward. In Jesus' name. Uh hey man.